0: Welcome to the Fearless Women podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of the Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to the Fearless Women podcast. I'm so excited to tell you all about my guest on today's show. She's an impressive woman, and I know you're going to love hearing from her and hearing her story. I'll tell you all about her, but first. Thank you for tuning in from across Canada and so many other countries like USA, UK, Australia, Germany, and Ireland, to name a few. It's great to have all of you joining us. I'm so glad that you love listening every week to the inspiring guests we feature. These are important conversations with the unafraid, and they keep our fearless community growing. So tell your friends to listen and follow us on Instagram. And if you don't already have one, pick up a copy of my beautiful best-selling book, Fearless Girls with Dreams, Women with Vision. Find it at your favorite local bookstore or online at Amazon Chapters, Barnes & Noble. Well, you know where to find it. So I'm very excited to welcome Rita Karakas to the show today. She is the founder of RSK Associates. It's an international consultancy, and she brings over 30 years of global experience in both government and non-government sectors. Her expertise is in developing solid strategies for corporate planning, organizational change, and strategic management planning. These skills are certainly more relevant than ever. And she has used this expertise to create recognizable transformation for the Australian government, YWCA of Canada, Save the Children Canada, Oxfam Great Britain, just to name a few. She was an independent director for over 20 years with Green Shield Insurance, and has sat on many different volunteer boards as well. It's an incredibly impressive bio with so much more, but I'm just going to stop right there so we can get to our conversation. Welcome to the show, Rita Caracas.
1: Well, hello there, Janice, and to all of your friends and colleagues on your wonderful, wonderful podcast. And I did pick up a copy of your new book.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. And I'm very excited to hear all about your amazing career journey. But first... Why don't you tell us how you've been managing during these unprecedented times?
1: Well, it is really unprecedented. And, you know, in some ways, I was very fortunate because I had taken uh, retirement uh, or sort of retirement uh, from uh, being the CEO of Canada World Youth uh, just about a year before this started. So I had gotten used to working from home and uh, reorganizing a life, not having staff and all those issues. However, in this last while, Janice, I have found it, a bit challenging. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've sensed in myself a bit of a lack of motivation, depression, in some ways, I would say mild depression, Mm -hmm. aches and pains. And so it's been very, very interesting. I try to get out at least once a day, if not outdoors, but onto the balcony. Mm -hmm. But it's been very challenging. And of course, continuing to work with colleagues on a variety of time zones and you know, again, it's also, I'm very, very blessed. I count my blessings and I would try to do that every day. It's a very good exercise to remind myself how blessed I am that my family chose to immigrate to Canada, that my family is all well. And, you know, around the world, women in particular are in such difficult contexts that I'm just grateful. So it's been overall a very, very interesting and learning time. Very. A lot of self-reflection.
0: Yes, because we're living so differently. And I think naturally if we're using that time, some some of it is forced self-reflection um, because we have these edited lives now. But at the same time, I love your focus. On gratitude. And I think it's so powerful to remember all the things that we are grateful for. And sometimes that can be as simple as a nice cup of coffee or, you know, seeing the sunrise or whatever that may be. I think it can be helpful to remember gratitude.
1: Exactly. And hard to do. Hard to do. Because, you know, we have, a, as, particularly as women, I'm generalizing, we tend to have a tendency to see at the what not and what ifs and what we should do more, the shoulds and haves, the voices in our heads. So I try to overcome that by just saying, you know, it's another day. It's a wonderful day and glad to be alive.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about what you're up to now. You, you talked about not only the retire, but really the rewire. Uh, so what are you up to and why do you love your work?
1: Well, You know, Janice, the first reflection I want to share with you that it's taken me a long time to figure out just to be Rita Caracas without a title, without mm. being the president and CEO. You know how everybody cooks, says, and what do you yeah. do? And so in reflecting on that, I've... Um, I've tried to focus on what is it that's my passion and what do, how do I want to continue for the remainder of my days and continue to contribute? So I'm up to reading a lot. Reading enormously amount. And I'm also up to uh, continuing to do consultancy work, but very selectively. And Mm -hmm. so I work with one wonderful startup organization called Equal Measures 2030. And maybe we could talk about that later. Mm -hmm. I do um, a volunteer board. I've tried to stretch myself and I've joined a francophone uh, experimental theater board called La Chapelle, which is completely new and learning all about theater and in the francophone sector because i moved back to montreal in my retirement and i don't want to be caught up only in the english bubble if i may call it that and as well i'm getting to know my family and in particular my sister as an adult adult to adult it's the first time in our lives when we don't have the interface of our parents My mother has passed away, and that's been a brilliant experience. So it's uh, overall a balance between family, a balance between learning and reading, reflecting and uh, volunteer work, mentoring with uh, the Trudeau Foundation where we have met, and um, coaching, a lot of coaching, informal and formal with women, primarily women. You talked
0: about being an organizational development consultant to Equal Measures 2030, and this is a UK-based coalition supported by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. What attracted you to this organization? And there's a focus, obviously, on gender with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Tell us more.
1: Well... The SDGs, as you know, the Sustainable Development Goals were adapted to actually track results so that it wasn't just pious words and we were not seeing changes and results in the in women, in the lives of women, and as we all know in development that if you affect women's health, women's education, you affect the whole country, the whole family, children, and so on. This doesn't exclude men, but clearly focus on gender is a very critical intervention. What attracted me is the executive director, Alison Holder. We were introduced by a mutual colleague and um, we met over tea and she said to me, look, I need help in uh, building up my leadership team. They're young and I need help in growth. Could you help me for three months to look at developing a fundraising strategy? And I said, no, I couldn't because I thought before fundraising, we needed to look at her organizational capacity. Three months has turned into an agreement to work together for three years. And what always attracts me to organizations are the mission, And then the people So in this case, this is an amazing young leader surrounded by amazing group of creative, bright people globally. And so it's a pleasure to help them stabilize, to help them grow, to help them develop and to contribute to the work on gender and data. They're very unique in what they do. They're tracking the performance of countries against the gender uh, Mm. commitments the countries have made. So it's quite brilliant. But again, Janice, it's the people which is what always drives me and motivates me. And I love being able to contribute. This is an amazing young leader surrounded by other young leaders.
0: Well, I think it's such a practical approach in terms of deciding how to give your, your time and attention to really ask those questions around what is the team like, and what is the mission? How does that line up with values? So Mm -hmm. a really helpful way. When you think about we all have finite uh, time and, energy. And so what a, what a practical way to approach it. I love that.
1: I'll share something with you. I, I thought I had made that approach in another consultancy over the summer, which I ended and it did not end well. Uh, I certainly underperformed because the match, the fit between me and the client was just not there. Mm -hmm. I thought we had the same values. I thought we shared a way of working. It wasn't there. And I, I failed. I failed. So the contract ended early. And so I do have to keep reminding myself that it works when there's a link. Organizational development, Janice, as you know, is really not about, it's about systems, but prior to that, it's about behavioral competencies. It's about how people work together, how they view their strengths, how leaders lead and how leaders follow. So it's that combination and I I made a mistake. We're still all learning. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you've had the
0: opportunity to travel and work in so many different countries and and working in different countries gives you such a different perspective. You've had exposure to the different cultures. How has that informed your work?
1: Profoundly, absolutely profoundly. Not a day goes by, I think Um, that might be an exaggeration where I don't reflect on the uh, the fortuitous nature of where I was born. Where was my mother when when I was born? and that my father and mother decided to immigrate to Canada, that all but for the grace of God will any one of us, Janice, any one of us. And, you know, I believe deeply, deeply and firmly and have experienced and seen it. Every individual has an aspiration for bettering their lives and bettering the lives of those around them. They don't have necessarily the opportunity nor the same conditions. And so what's done for me is to reflect that for the grace of God, I could be in a very different space and have a very different life experience. And in particular, as a woman, have a very different life experience where I might be silenced, where I might not have agency, I might not have identity. And it just reinforces how much I wanna make a difference by contributing even in a very small way to the betterment of an individual's life or a system or a government's way of reacting and responding to people. It's been, you know, I think I've worked in about, uh, you know, I think I've visited 72 countries but really worked in about um, 12, 14, very deeply. And also count the blessing of having so many friends around the world.
0: Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. When you talk about you know the the different environments, mm-hmm. and if we think about right now that globally we're in the midst of this challenging shifting landscape as the pandemic continues, how can we be resilient in the face of change what's What's your
1: advice, Rita? Well, well, you know um resiliency is really a wonderful word and concept. And I'm mindful of how resilient people in other parts of the world are on an everyday basis, whether they're facing a pandemic or not. And this is new to us in a way, if you would like, globally, Mm -hmm. in the Western, in the North, right? But if I think of a mother in Sahara, in the Sahel, or if I think of, uh, you know, uh, women in Bangladesh, or uh, if I think of a young man trying to get an education somewhere in the world, um, resiliency is about inner strength and having a network in some way or other of others in which you can rely and respond. It's very difficult to be resilient. If you're solo, mm-hmm. if you are completely on your own and, you know, you need for resiliency, some sense of inner strength, but also you need a glimmer of something positive somewhere at one time in a week, if possible. In my case, what I count on resiliency is, uh, Give in to the sadness, give in to the failure for a little bit, then find ways of picking oneself up again. As I'm I'm sitting here, I'm I'm sensing my spine picking up, perking up if I can, you know. (laughs) It's almost a physical statement. And it's a challenge to stay resilient when you feel the decks are stacked against you, when, you know, you don't have a livelihood for one day towards the other. It's also a challenge to be resilient if you don't see an end. If it's ongoing, and I think we see that right now in some ways in in Canada and certainly in Quebec where I'm living, people are saying, "Is this ever going to end?" So yes. if it's endless. It's very challenging to stay hopeful. But we, as an, as peoples, are inherently resilient, even when the deck appears stacked against us. But I know that I do deeply know Janice that the major effect for being able to maintain or gain resiliency is having a surrounding that gives you some level of support and some glimmer of hope or an achievement or a sunny something in your life. If it's all dark, if it's all impossible, it's very, very hard, very hard. Therefore, I'm very, very admiring of most of the world uh, when you know they're not just facing the pandemic, but they're also facing hunger and they're facing conflict. And uh, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's, uh, it's challenging.
0: And what, Rita, are you personally hopeful about and for?
1: What am I hopeful for? Um, I have enormous faith in the capacity of people to change, to learn. And what I'm hopeful is that this period of, uh, of uh, shutdown, transition, challenge has helped at least our governments to think differently about how they conduct uh, the economy, who they support. I am hopeful that in Canada, this will really mean a rethink of the support single parents need, the elderly need and extended health care. and that uh, we can't be complacent about our systems. We can't be complacent about what we have because it can be taken away very quickly. It can be put under stress very quickly. And so I'm hopeful that there's a lot of learning happening I'm also, I'm hoping and praying that we're going to come out of this soon, but I'm not sure that's the case.
0: Mm -hmm. So what's something you've done once (laughs) that you never (laughs) want to do again, Rita?
1: Repel. (laughs) (laughs) Say more. I had the pleasure of going on a Canadian Army Reserve training for executive leaders Mm -hmm. A dear friend of mine was the colonel-in-chief, and so we had a military retreat, and I have a terrible fear of heights, Janice, (laughs) terrible fear of heights. But I did rappel down a large, high tower. I don't know how many times I had to do it to do it, but I did it. And I got the uh, award for Man of the Match, which is a wonderful (laughs) honor, which I still keep. And I guess the second thing is I've eaten snake and I have a terrible, 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 terrible fear of snakes. Other than that, I tend to not see the impossible. I tend to see the opportunity versus the threat. I tend to see the challenge as a um, a can-do. Maybe I'm too naive not to be able to see the um, difficulties, but I also tend to believe that most things have a solution. I'm Armenian and we're survivors against many odds, you know. And so I always tend to want to look at solutions, think forward. What if the what ifs, but not what ifs, the negative. What if I can do this? How do I manage it? How do I maneuver mm-hmm. it? So that in some ways I tend to be fearless, but hopefully not reckless.
0: hmm So take us back then to the 10-year-old you. Uh, What was that girl like? Where did you live? What were you into? And uh, how similar are you to that 10-year-old girl today?
1: Well, that 10-year-old girl still lives inside of me, Janice, is the little voice. Yeah. Still there. At the age of 10, we were living in Montreal, had just been immigrated to Canada the a year Mm -hmm. uh, with two grandmothers, a father, mother, and a sister. And I was learning English. I came to Canada speaking French, Armenian, and Turkish. But Mm -hmm. I was learning English, had to repeat grade four. And I was uh, adapting and adjusting very quickly where my mother, I think, was having a very challenging and difficult time being here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Winter was like astonishing, you know, never seen snow to that degree. My father was trying to reestablish a life. And um, so that little girl was full of, Curiosity, wonder, and bewilderment. Not scared, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but at times, um, I would say acting out, attention seeking. I still kind of do that. And uh, so uh, I threw myself into integrating very quickly. And I did that in my whole family, probably the fastest. Languages came easy for me. And that became a challenge. If you know what it's like to be a first-generation immigrant, it's often very difficult to go against the grain of your community and the culture. And so that little 10-year-old was really adjusting. We lived in a um, immigrant corridor on Park Avenue, surrounded by lots of immigrants and very active in the, my army and community and church and uh, culture. But that 10-year-old is still inside me somewhere, <laughs> and she does pop out periodically. <laughs>
0: I love that. I love that you're so still connected. It's a beautiful thought. So if we go back to your career and it's you know such an interesting career and you've gained so much expertise, particularly in terms of transformation, mm-hmm. how has your own leadership style evolved over time?
1: Profoundly, profoundly. I always thought of myself as wanting to lead. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have those words, but what mm-hmm. I remember very early on is wanting to make a difference. And I started in elementary school, it started in high school, you know, in grade eight, I became the editor of my high school newspaper, helped organize things. And, you know, so uh, I always had that drive to achieve, whether it was attention seeking or whether it was making a difference, but I had a drive. I didn't want to be contained. My vision was not... Uh, family. I didn't have those visions. Um, Mm -hmm. I was in a family, a wonderful family. So, but I led, and I discovered this through enormous help of a wonderful mentor at the United Way of Canada, that I was an absolutely abusive leader because I wasn't self-aware and I wasn't self-managing. I didn't set out to be abusive. I didn't set out to be difficult, but I was not an effective leader. I was bright, articulate, sharp, funny, all those wonderful components. But I wasn't in my leadership being aware of the other.
0: Mm. I was
1: more aware of how I needed to have the voice, how I needed to speak, how I needed to. And it showed itself like not following up on commitments, missing deadlines, please and thank you. And I've worked very hard, very hard to learn more about myself, to learn what triggers me not to be thoughtful and mindful of others. And I've used an enormous amount of humor because I come across, I can come across as intimidating. I can come across as too fast, too sharp, too tough. So I have worked hard to explain myself to the people around me, to be very attentive, active listener. I've also worked hard not to shut myself up, but to contribute in a way that doesn't take anybody else's space. So I would say that I've learned to be a better follower in order to be a good leader. Mm. And I do lead from the front. There are people who lead from the side, but I also know when to step back. I, I'm sure you know the concept of situational leadership, Janice. Mm-hmm. So I know when I'm to lead from the front and I know when I'm supporting from the back and somebody else is rolling. So it's all in the situation. But the main thing I've learned is how to be self-aware and work continuously work on self-management. I used to get in my own way.
0: Mm-hmm. And what, uh, in your view, was the ignition point for that self-awareness?
1: Mentors. One Mm -hmm. amazing mentor who sat me down and said, you're very important on this team. I value you. But look what's going around. Let me help you work on that. And then I went into counseling.
0: Getting help and getting support is so powerful.
1: It's so powerful. And having mentors who will tell you the truth. You know, I think people sometimes want the coaches or mentors or colleagues. They say they're open to feedback and I know they mean it, but hearing it and receiving it in ways which are tough, but frank. Is very, very hard. And we're, you know, and I was very blessed. And this individual mentored and coached me for a long, long time. But I've been blessed, Janice. I've always had mentors and coaches, always, Mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. And so I am so deeply committed to doing that.
0: Which is also why you're so, uh, your mentor as we both are with the Trudeau Foundation, why you're so involved and giving back so much to those impressive scholars.
1: They're so impressive and so is the foundation team. And it's such an honor, such an honor. I did not know the mentorship program existed. So when I was approached, I thought, oh, wow, really? It's such an honor and such learning. I'm, I haven't always worked with the academic world. And so there's a lot of learning for me all that in that too because of the discipline of how they think and they're structured and uh, helping them to um, see themselves differently or work differently. It's been quite amazing. I know you're going to enjoy it immensely, and they'll benefit from you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a remarkable organization. I agree, and it and offers a beautiful opportunity to contribute. So absolutely.
1: Let me just add one thing. You you've said a keyword contribute. If you were to ask me what I wanted written on my gravestone, the marker, Mm -hmm. it would be she cared enough to try, Mm. contribute, help make a difference.
0: Absolutely. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Rita. So final question. What is your dream for Canada and the world, Rita? (sighs) Big one. Just a big question.
1: (laughs) You know, I am such a proud Canadian not unmindful of the issues we have to resolve and address in Canada, but I am a very, very proud Canadian. So what I vision for Canada is that we continue to be an honest broker internationally, Mm -hmm. that we continue our dedicated investment in global multilateral organizations such as WHO, such as uh, the United Nations Development Programme, Gavi and the Vaccine Coalition, the Coalition on COVID. We are all so connected, Janice. I've learned anything globally. In all the years of working, the privilege of working in many countries, we're the same peoples, different religion, different culture, different life, uh, different opportunities. And I'm not not naive at all. We're all the same. So what I would like for Canada to do is to watch its rhetoric. I'm very cautious and careful and concerned about some of the rhetoric that we're seeing coming north into Canada. So I'm hoping that we continue to be this very gentle middle power. I have faith in all of our structures and systems. I want to continue to be able to have that faith. I want to be able to trust our police and our judiciary and things that a lot of people around the world cannot do. But globally, what I would like us to be is continue to be an honest broker. I'm very encouraged by our new ambassador at the UN, Aubrey, although the previous Mm -hmm. ambassador was brilliant and that was a great team. And um, we just have to keep at it. We can't stop. We can't just do domestic because domestic is international, international is domestic. If the pandemic has not shown us anything, it's shown that there are no real barriers or boundaries globally.
0: It's been such an honor and what an inspiring conversation. You've been listening to Rita Caracas on the show today. She's the founder of RSK Associates, an important voice in Canada. Thank you so much, Rita, for being on the Fearless Women podcast.
1: Janice, thank you so very, very much. And I look forward to continuing to collaborate with you on many, many things.
0: Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for our newsletter at PeerlessWomenPodcast.com to get the early scoop. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, BDC, Lockheed Martin, and Export Development Canada. Subscribe and Apple Podcasts are in your favourite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to Export Development Canada, the international risk experts, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. Supporting Canadian companies of all sizes succeed on the world stage, EDC takes your worries away and helps you grow your business with confidence. When your business has no borders, neither does your potential. Find out more at edc.ca slash women in trade. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.